Hey everybody, this is Aaron Fletcher-Smith, and over there, once again, is Dan Grubb. Hi, sorry I'm here. Yeah, you should be. And this is the like o music! Yes, indeed, it is the uh, copyright, trademarked, and patent pending, and also patent granted uh, music for the Lycorama. Um, Thank you. Yeah, something written by something written by one hundred composers in front of uh, one hundred. Uh, cakewalk music maker softwares at the same time <laughs> yeah it, it it took us a thousand years to get that song so yeah it's, y'all better it's feel a million monkeys in front of a million drum machines yeah doing y'all and are, yet they they somehow come out with a uh a midi concertina yeah y'all better feel feel blessed that you had an opportunity to experience that when you did which was just a minute ago so yeah that sounded anyway. like the first draft. That sounded like the first draft there for a second of, y'all betty, y'all better be ready for this. Dum 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 dum. Are you guys ready yet? Because you you really should be. All of you should be ready for this. Da 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 da. Yeah. Clock's ticking, y'all. I I think we there are ways that we can make that song more terrible. And, this uh, this bus leaves them. in four hours. <laughs> Are y'all ready for that? I think just changing this to that. <laughs> yeah, right. We should do uh, we should do a sports pop uh, a, a sports jam called <laughs> y'all ready for that? <laughs> hey, uh, y'all ready for that? Yeah. Y'all ready for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh. Y'all ready for that? <laughs> Y'all ready for that? <laughs> and then at the end of the song, you got to have the long, awkward pause as the rest of the people that are being talked to go, Yeah, 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 yeah. No. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not no. ready. No, no. <sighs> Phil. I know. Sorry, guys. Damn it. And then once again we're obviously ready. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, are y'all ready for the topic? You know um, anyone who hit play on this saw it in the title, so it's stupid yeah. to ask. It, it's dumb to act like it's a surprise. Um, I don't right. know. <laughs> Speaking of um, meaninglessness and not knowing things. Hey, that's exactly what we were just doing. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, yeah, uh, this topic is the philosophy of absurdism. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> Hooray! That sounds wonderful. Now, kids, please do not turn off the podcast. <laughs> Tell your friends, get a pot of fondue and have a key party because it's about to get crazy. <laughs> Swingers, if you're out there, this one's for you. Get ready for some 
a black and white movie about a, a woman who decides to become a hooker because the, for some reason that's what 60s French movies were about. Um, I'm sorry, sex worker. But, you know, back then it was shameful and I must do it because life is empty and stupid. I heard an interesting thing uh, yesterday. I listen, one of the podcasts I listen to is the Miriam Webster's uh, mm-hmm. podcast, which is delightful. It's like 20 minutes once a week. It's really great. And they were okay. talking about how to uh, make your French sound better if you're not a French speaker and you want to act like you can speak French. Yeah. Um, and the tip that I found most surprising was they don't have stressed syllables. Hmm. Okay. You know, where it's like, ba 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 da ba ba you know, like uh, right. content versus content. Mm-hmm. It's just, the, it would just be the same thing. And so if you just say everything in the same monotone, then you sound a little bit more French. I guess I can believe that, yeah. Yeah, okay, and, uh, all right. Yeah, just, that's, I've, I've found, I thought that was very interesting. And so, and because they don't do the R... Mm-hmm. They think that English speakers are just like, like that's what they think English and American people sound like. It reminds me of on the Goon Show they called Americans the Herns because to them we sounded like Hern, 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 Hern. This is this is Vern Gern of the Hern. So this anyway. is Vern Blansky. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he was the uh, the football coach for Northwestern. Yes, exactly. In, uh, in 1957. Yes. Um, yeah, there was a back when I was in marching band. There were these uh, four guys that, um, or four people, men and women, that uh, our band director would use as like placeholder uh, filler people uh, names um, whenever he'd make us. Practice oh, okay, standing yeah. at parade rest, like so every Tom, like, Dick, and Harry. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so he'd be like, "Now arriving on the field, <laughs> Don Bedernoin, <laughs> Vern Blansky." Rita, <laughs> I like that one. Rita Farita. <laughs> I can't remember the fourth one. I'm gonna have to bug my old marching band buddies but i i just remember he would he would draw out every possible syllable on those and then he would and then for like the fourth one he would go and finally one who needs no introduction oh my god 37 time award winner of the <laughs> national oaken bucket plaque there's, whenever someone says needs no introduction, the next thing out of their mouth is a big tr- introduction. A There's long introduction. Just, and then uh, someone who needs no introduction, Bob Hoskins. Right. And then, a, you know, a grave comes out because he's dead. Right, right. I want there to be a moment where, uh, in, in talk show history, where uh, one of the famous talk show hosts says, you know, and someone who needs no introduction and... Like you know, Larry from Electrical comes out, right? And yeah, and everybody's yeah, some like, person. yeah, and and then a, a blind interview is done with Larry, and no context is given. You know, there was some that's absurd. Was, there was some show recently that they did that where they didn't know who they were going to interview, 
and then they just walk out. It's like, oh, it's you. Okay. I know Eric Andre's done that once or twice, but really, um, yeah, because there have been times where the guests walk out and it catches him by surprise, and he's like, oh, this this person's on the show now. You know, I watched his episode of Hot Ones recently. He had two episodes, and I watched one of them, and they were talking about like, you know, what were like the worst guest experience. Yeah. You know, like, the the worst time that a guest had there, and they were talking about right. it. And he was like, well, I mean, she was only there for, what, like, three minutes or something? He was like, oh, no, she was there for, like, an hour and a half. Who? And we cut it down to, like, three, who, whatever, the I don't remember the actor's name. Okay, all right. But um, it was, like, it was, like, a really bad episode. We're like, wow, you cannot do that to someone, Eric. <laughs> That's not okay, dude. One of those. And she was, like, trying not to barf. And uh, it was, like, so gross. Uh, okay. it, I, I don't know. It was some kind of gross-out thing. I don't remember. But but it looks like she shows up, and then, like, within two minutes, she's gone. But she's he like, was like, out. no, she was there for, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. Huh. And was like, wow. can I leave? It was like, no, 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 we're almost done. We're almost done. I swear, <laughs> we're almost done. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. <laughs> oh, my that- God. That's awful. When you gel that against the fact that um, uh, we, we watched a little documentary that was on, um, it was either on Hulu or, or, I guess it was on Hulu where we saw it, but they had this little half hour documentary uh, at, the, at the tail end of the, um, the series of shows that they had on there. And one of the things that he talked about is he was like, one of my favorite things to do as just a subtle prank on literally everybody uh, uh crew and 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 people that came to visit and the like was that i kept the temperature in the studio five degrees hotter than it would be comfortable for so that's why literally everyone is sweating in every episode oh geez (laughs) that's terrible yeah what a jerk i hate that guy yeah i did like uh he was in uh jackass he was in the most recent version of jackass then he got oh really yeah he got he got um, punched in the balls, and I thought it was funny. <laughs> wow, that's all? I figured it'd be something crazy. Uh, I mean, there was a long setup for it and everything. He thought he was going to get a uh, like a mocha or a latte. There was a food truck set up, and like half of the Jackass crew goes up and gets the latte. And then he goes up and orders something, and then, doom! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and he's just oh, looking Lordy. around at everyone like, you know... How could this happen to me? I'm <laughs> <laughs> when um when Mr. Bungle did their redid their first record uh, a couple mm. years like one or two years ago, uh, it was sort of new into COVID. Uh, they oh, were they doing press. Did they redo the Raging Wrath anymore? of? No, no, no. They did the Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny, oh, which geez. was like their high school demo. Okay. But they did it as like. 50 year old guys and it was uh the <laughs> it was the three uh, uh it was mike Patton, trace bruins um on drums was dave lombardo from slayer and phantomas and uh who oh uh, scott ian was okay. with them scott ian uh, is anthrax right from anthrax yeah 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 so uh, it was like super shreddy, and they were like, "Oh my God, Slayer and Anthrax!" That was like exactly who we were trying to emulate when we were like sixteen <laughs> and did this tape. 
And there they and so are. They're like, oh, yeah, no, we had your tape on tour. It was awesome. <laughs> they like That's picked cool. up their tapes from, you know, friends of friends or whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, but uh, uh, but doing, doing press for it, um, Eric Andre interviewed Mike Patton. And I was like, oh, wow, this will be great because I know he's like a bunglehead. Because um, he's like, you know, like, you know, art student music, like yeah. art music student kind of thing. Right. Uh, I think he was a music student. I don't remember. But um, but he's sitting there and he's doing this long interview with him. And he's like eating the sandwich the whole time. He's just like eating the whole time. And it's over Zoom. And so half the screen he goes, Oh, yes, it was. So when did you hook up with them? Oh, yeah. It was so funny. It was so funny. I'll just say, I, I absolutely love the COVID era uh, Zoom telecon, um, just era of oh, content. Can we never go back? Rough. It's so. Oh good. my God! Please no! It, it's no like, offices ever again. There, there are so many great videos that I'm just now finding and surfacing and stuff like that. That are a byproduct of bored creative folks that I'm a fan of. That were like, you guys just want to get on telecon, you know, and do some stuff. You know, this, like yeah. so many great things. There, there was that um, that uh, uh, Bashir and Garrick thing that I told you about. One of the previous right, podcasts. Right. Um, there was uh, the Parks and Rec crew all did uh, like a oh, yeah. Parks and Rec telecon episode where they're all right. in a Zoom conference together. It's like, and everybody looked comfortable. It's like oh, hell yeah. yeah, be comfortable from the freaking house. You don't have to show up. You yeah, do not no one's have to wearing pants. Yeah, I don't want to show up. You don't everyone, have to show up. Everyone is at their ideal temperature. I right. like 65 degrees. Right. I like 74 degrees. You yeah. know, everyone's happy. Yeah. Yep. I everybody's, love it. Everybody's wearing pants or not. Maybe you're or not, not wearing pants, right? That's fine. You know, yeah. that's totally Who cares? fine. Just, just, just telecon into that fucker and, and do your five minutes and get out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I miss it so Before... <laughs> Before I close this tab of my memory, oh yeah, I've 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 done it as like closing off loops, up and like breaking off branches. Right. Uh, now I'm like it's kind of like closing tabs on my mental yeah. Wikipedia um, yeah. that I keep opening up. Um, it's it's uh, digressions, but uh, You're this right, the uh, the Eric Andre Mike Patton uh, digression. Um, I don't think it was, I think it was, um, Trevor Dunn and maybe Trace Bruins who said it, but anyway, um, I, I listened to a ton of their interviews, uh, when that album came out. Cause I was like, I haven't heard from these guys in a long time. Let's right. see what they say now. Right. Um, cause last time I did deep dives on interviews, it was like the early two thousands when you had to like really hunt to find, Ooh, here's a 10 minute one I haven't heard before. Uh-huh. Neat. So right. it was anyway, but they were talking about, um, you know, they're from Eureka, California, which yep. is it, up in the northern part of it, and it was kind of like you know, kind of small town, rural, um, and uh, but they had this like music scene, and so this is like the early mid eighties, and <laughs> I love this. They heard the word stage diving. 
they had never seen it they'd never experienced it because they're stuck in their town they've never gone any they couldn't you know go up to san francisco or seattle or portland or whatever and so they've heard of stage diving <laughs> but what they interpreted it as yeah. instead of climbing up on the stage and jumping off into the crowd it was you run through the crowd as fast as you can and jump onto the stage and slide <laughs> and slide across the stage Whee! and then just kind of awkwardly get back down off to the side That's awesome. <laughs> and so whenever a band would come through they'd be like what the hell is wrong with these kids we're stage diving, see? <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> That's funny. That's freaking awesome. I love it. I love that. <laughs> That's such a like... <laughs> Why is your that music sounds... so weird? Well, let me tell you about stage diving. <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah. They... Okay, yeah, that kind of yeah. makes sense. All right. Let's do five paragraphs on this, and then you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh... Uh... Speaking of five paragraph essays, yeah, the topic was absurdism. Yes. Um, so, uh, let me give you an elevator pitch, a term I despise, for absurdism. So, we all know existentialism. Yep. Um, man is nothing else but what he makes himself, etc. Yeah. Um, take that, um, but get rid of the... Um, existentialism was always like well you know there's no god there's no afterlife there's no there's no one pulling the strings it's just a big empty universe and it has this sort of so i don't know who cares i guess i'll i guess i'll sit down and uh kill myself or something i don't know it's this it's this like pointlessness where it's like ugh bleh it's very ennui. It leaves you yeah. with a with a malaise, with an ennui, with a just bleh. Yeah. Um, which is a drag. And you know, we read uh, we read No Exit in high school. Yeah. Um, uh, by uh, Jean Luc Picard. No. Exactly. Jean Paul Sartre, and uh, and. It was like, hell is other people. Okay. But it was kind of like, this doesn't seem like super deep. So then I started reading other stuff and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is like, whoa. Well, I'm a teenager, so this is perfect. Right. Um, (laughs) My my college roommate, Nat, said uh, he took a philosophy class and uh, uh, they were talking about existentialism and he was like, oh, this is stupid. And the teenager goes, the teenager, the teacher goes, come on, weren't you ever, you know, like a a disgruntled teenage boy? And he was sitting there as a disgruntled teenage boy. He's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I also, I know Nat, so I can like kind of picture the face and. um, Oh, yeah. No. um, Yeah. Think Bob Dylan combined with Neil Gaiman. And that's pretty much Nat. Yeah. And yeah, a little and, closer to Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just this, you know. Oh, there's, there's, there's a way to rebel against this thing. Well, here we <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah, that guy's great. Yeah, he's the. Um. But so, uh, so yeah, that always led a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but absurdism, 
So, the, uh, I keep wanting to say Descartes. I keep wanting to say Rene Descartes. Wrong. Yeah, I thought he was. Uh, <laughs> think therefore, I am. I think therefore I am. Cogito yeah. ergo sum. Mm. Much, much earlier. Uh, Jean Paul Sartre. Sartre, not Cart. Yeah. Sartre. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was his deal. Yep. Uh, he was sort of the main existentialist guy. Or if you're so an the, idiot, Sartre. <laughs> Sartes. Sartres. Yeah. Um, you roll the so name the, around in your mouth about 15 times trying to pronounce it. Not from France. Yeah. So Sartre? The, the, Sorry. <laughs> Parlez-vous Sartre? Mm-hmm. So the main absurdism guy was Albert Camus, or if you're French, Albert yeah. Camus. Yeah. Um, yeah he that. wrote, um, uh, what's it called? The Plague, I think it's called. Um, but his sort of treatise on the subject was the myth of Sisyphus hey, which didn't, didn't Camus also write Metamorphosis the uh, wake up was no that was Kafka that was Kafka. Franz Kafka thank you yes you are correct I've forgotten about that but that's also an existentialist piece right um it could be argued different ways but yes it's okay. generally in that cat in that uh, branch of Philosophy. It's generally in there. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, uh, the myth of Sisyphus is his sort of most essay of of his major works, and right. uh, also including the Stranger and the Plague. Um, uh, Sisyphus is sort of the, the if if you want to do just I have an hour. I'm going to read an essay, and then I'll know everything I need to know. That's the one to go to. Okay. All right. So, pulling from Sisyphus, um, he says that there are basically not not just three... It's like a triangle. All right. And, and, and each, each side of it is, is needed. For, for the thing to exist, for the absurd to exist. Okay. So one side is the human need or desire for meaning. You know, you just, you, you walk around, you whether it is, I want to be good so I get into heaven, or I want to help others, or the sort of, um, the sort of Norse idea of, um, we're all gonna die, but if I do something great, I'll be remembered, and in that way, I'll be immortal. That sort of thinking, right. um, you know, whatever, whatever sort of, uh, whatever your version of leaving a mark, making a difference, having meaning in life, that's one side of it. Right. The second part of it is the universe is vast and uncaring and doesn't know that you exist like the universe is not even capable of not caring that you exist because that would imply that it knows you exist right the i mean we just had the james webb telescope uh images go public they're incredible everyone just marvel at those all day but it is another in an infinite 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 number of uh, an infinite list of reminders that we are little specks of nothing in mm-hmm. a, 
in an infinite universe that is mostly cold and dead. We are modes um, of dust. <laughs> right. Uh, and so that's that's the other sides. There is right. um, I I desperately need my life to matter. Mm-hmm. The universe says too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but the and, then, the and then the kind of the implicit corollary to that with with existentialism is and therefore because you don't care universe um, I'm going to sadly uh, I'm going to kind of pouty face the fact that you don't care. So, you know, er how dare you not care uh, but I'm yes. also sad. And now I'm going to preach this gospel to everybody else that nobody that the universe <laughs> doesn't care. You know, Listen that's, up that's everybody. It. Yeah. Let me let me uh, light another clove cigarette and tell you all about it. Right, and then everyone around you, as they soak down the existentialism, also comes down. Oh, oh, oh you're right. Oh, yeah. So, so those two, those first two sides, are the basic ingredients to get you existentialism. Yep. I de- people want their lives to matter. Yeah. The universe. Um, feels otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you're like, well, crap. There you go. What makes absurdism different? The absurd comes from the third side of that triangle, which is the tension between the first two facts. Yeah. Which reveals life's absurdity. Yeah. Um, if, if you do not have a consciousness um, if you're an animal who doesn't think about life having meaning then that's not absurd if you are a vast god that's not absurd if you are in the middle a human screaming at the universe that doesn't hear you that is absurd that's the basic where we come in Okay. All right. Um, so absurdism is all about like, um, yeah, it's 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 screaming at the universe and accomplishing nothing. It is, um, uh, in Sisyphus, uh, Camus has a good analogy of. Uh, this is a quote. Uh, if I see a man armed only with a sword attack a group of machine guns, I shall consider his act to be absurd. But yep. it is so sole it is but it is so solely by virtue of the disproportion between his intention and the reality he will encounter, of the contradiction I notice between his true strength and the aim that he has in his view. So his his spirit is bigger than his stomach his his it's yeah your eyes are bigger than your stomach except on a psychological level <laughs> um he uh he makes uh arguments um countering both um his philosophical cousin and ancestor kierkegaard uh soren kierkegaard in the 1800s uh, started with the same sort of ideas, but he said, "Well, the universe is so big and, and empty, and it, and I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, God must be God. So that okay. so that's settled. We got it. 
It's God. Every okay, it makes sense now. Um, and he's like, well, mm, mm, let's, nope. Um, and then the flip side of that, the more existential where it's like, well, everything's bullshit. I guess we can sit here and drink coffee or hang ourselves. And he's like, no, that's stupid. Because as soon as you, basically, as soon as you succumb, then it's over. Yeah, right. As soon as you give up, then then the the whole thing is lost um it's the the he calls it a revolt he says um the opposite of suicide is uh someone on death row because uh the absurdist on death row will revolt until the last moment and that will give each of those moments value um he said the absurd man can only drain everything to the bitter end and deplete himself the absurd is his extreme tension which he maintains constantly by solitary effort for he knows in that that in that consciousness and in that day-to-day revolt he gives proof of his only truth which is defiance it's defying the enormity of the uncaring universe he def- yeah okay okay all right so he, he defines his presence in the universe by being um, the 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 cog not the cog but the um, the screwdriver in the gears. By yeah. by doing so, he demonstrates that he is present and and existing in this universe. Whereas, and it doesn't have to be a destructive defiance. It could be well, a yeah, creative. It could be, defi- it could be, but it's anything that is. Right. You know, you think of that movie Network, you know, right, uh, right. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And all these people yeah. are screaming it out their windows because right. a guy on TV told them to. Yeah. And that moment is absurd. Yeah. Because yeah. what are you doing? Right. You're yelling in the rain at night. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. But they go, you know, the world is crazy and I'm not I'm going to yell about it and I'm going to defy it into the night, into the sky. And uh, even though it accomplishes nothing and the next morning they wake up and everything goes back to normal for that moment, they're, they're living absurdly. (laughs) A shared moment of absurdism. Okay. All right. Got it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the myth of Sisyphus, he, he's talking about, uh, Sisyphus was a uh, Greek, uh, Greek uh, myth. Uh, yeah, and one of the, yeah. one of the people um, condemned to special tortures in the afterlife. Uh, Tantalus uh, was up to his neck in a, in a lake or a river. Okay. And whenever he bent down to drink, the water receded from him, and there was fruit just above his head. Whenever he reached up to get some, the branch would raise up in the air, and so that's where we get tantalize. Okay. He was, it was tantalizing him. Okay. I was Um, going to say, because I feel like tantalus every day. So that's, all right, well, you know. I'm going to bookmark that one. Anyway, okay, all right. That's just because you live in a lake. I keep telling you, you're not a beaver. Yeah. Well, Dan, um, Dan, what are you going to do about it? I know you're very proud of your logs with their little conical ends that you chewed up, but 
you're just you're not a beaver. I don't know what to tell you. You know, damn, damn it, Aaron. Yeah, Wait, don't no, don't, a- don't damn it. <laughs> I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, these jokes brought to you by our children. They made us dads. Exactly. Oh, by the um, way, can I tell my oh. terrible joke? Can I? Can I? Real quick, can I tell my terrible? Well, uh, joke? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, damn. <laughs> it's a stupid joke. I love it though. <laughs> What's the difference? What's the difference between a good shoe salesman and a bad electrician? I don't know, Aaron. What's the difference between a good shoe salesman and a bad electrician? If you're a good shoe salesman, socks and shoes. If you're a bad electrician, shocks ensue. <laughs> I'm sorry. Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so hey, I want to. I'm gonna uh, drive the train for a second here, uh, quite rudely. Um, I, okay. I wanted. I wanted. I was to only make... at the point. That's all. Oh, you're only at the point. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll shut my yapper then. You, you, you can, you can. <laughs> I guess. Fine. So Sisyphus, his deal. <laughs> I heard that fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Uh, so Sisyphus's deal was, in the afterlife, he was the one who had a boulder, and he had to roll it up the hill, and when he almost got to the top, it would roll back down. It would slip from his grip, and it would roll back down. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so he would have to go down and roll it back up. Oh, it fell oh, down yeah. again. Roll it back up. Right. And that's his deal for all eternity. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so he talks about this, and he talks yeah. about how this, this eternal punishment where you are kept busy and literally nothing comes of it. There's right. no, not only no satisfaction and no release, but like, like they, the if you're watching, nothing happens. Right. Like the nothing happens. Um, it's just uh, you're just running laps. That's all you're right. doing. Right. Like um, running laps on a treadmill too. It's like the, it's a right. actual state of of there that nothing, no satisfactory goal is ever reached. Yeah. I remember. And you know day. after after a few million tries. A, a sane person would say, well, this is dumb, but he, he can't stop. He has to keep going. Right. So he closes the essay saying, uh, I leave Sisyphus at the foot of the mountain. One always finds one's burden again. But Sisyphus teaches the higher fidelity, the higher truth, that negates the gods and raises rocks. He, too, concludes that all is well. The universe henceforth without a master seems to him neither sterile nor futile. Each atom of that stone, each mineral flake of that night-filled mountain in itself forms a world. The struggle itself toward the heights is enough to fill a man's heart. One must imagine Sisyphus happy. Mm. And he talks about the key moment in that story is not when the rock falls. The key moment is when he's walking back down the hill. Oh, interesting. interesting. He says that is the mentality when you're walking back down, knowing 
that you're going to do it again, knowing that yeah. nothing will come of it, knowing that it that there is no meaning in this. You've you've accepted that the task you're about to start will not get you any further in life, and yet you're going to do it anyway. And that is the that that is like what the core kernel of the absurdism. Well, accepted is tricky because okay, you. You recognize, you perceive that that nothing is going to come of it, but you say maybe this time. Ah, so it's the it's the the kernel of hope there. Interesting. It is an absurd there, to to me anyway. There's different people with different ideas, but to me, it is the most hopeful of modern philosophies interesting Interesting. and you know whenever there's there's terrible news every day if you're looking for bad news you have no shortage right um and it's very easy to throw up your hands and be cynical or be nihilistic and say well you know oh the world's screwed oh what do you gotta do right um it's so easy to check out yeah but what is so much harder is to hope right um right and it's more necessary because i mean when when i see someone start talking like that yeah i guess so what do we i mean oh it's never going to get better what the answer seems to the logical answer is everyone killed themselves right right but this is the best it's ever going to be it's only getting worse what's the point everyone quit yeah but no because that is that's that's giving up and stupid and boring and and it's just what the uncaring universe wants you to do right is it is by premise (laughs) surrendering yeah yeah yeah. it's surrender and but the the it's not really absurd because you know actual change in life is possible Right. Um, it, it's just extremely hard. Um, and small victories are made every day here and there. Um, yeah. But, um, but it is an echo of absurdism where it is, you know, oh, everything's bad and empty and pointless. Right. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll just sit here and sound really intelligent about it. Right. It's like, yeah, or you could walk down the hill and say right. now nah, this time I'm going to do it mm-hmm. I'm going to do it this time right. I'm going to roll and that rock up this and, time and that I'm comes showing. back to that same thing that you were talking about with the um, it is absurd for a man with a sword to fight uh, uh, machine gunners yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. there's the there's this ridiculous little uh, spr- wellspring of hope built into it okay yeah right. um, yeah yeah Absolutely, yeah, and so it's it really appeals to me. And uh, yeah. one of the one of the big names who gets put in the absurd category is Samuel Beckett, the um, the uh, Irish playwright who I think lived in France most of his life. But um, right. he, most of his plays started out in French. But uh, his most well known is Waiting for Gatto. Oh right, okay, okay, got it. Um. <laughs> I guess I should say I go out. 
No, you should. You shouldn't okay. say that. Okay, okay, I guess I won't. Um, and I, I love Gatto. I think it's very funny. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I have a book of all his plays. I'm about halfway through it. Um, and I've read a bunch of them before. Um, we read right. Gatto senior year. We read it in class. Right. Um, Crap's last tape is is funny. Um, but it's in that I don't want to put any isms on it but everything is kind of pointless and the characters are treading water and the humor in it comes from they don't know how foolish they are they don't know and you know people complain about uh, when they go to see, <laughs> there was one of the because uh, that's one the premise behind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the best terrible review of Waiting for Gatto is because uh, <laughs> it's in two acts, right. and each act is the two the two guys are waiting around for Gatto to show up, and right. uh, and and Beckett said it has nothing to do with God. Gatto is not another word for God. It was a name that he overheard people saying that they were waiting for Godot or Godet or something. So he made a Gatto. Anyway. um, But it's two guys waiting. Gatto doesn't show up. Uh, 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 A crappy guy with a a pig who is a guy um, shows up. They talk with them. They do stuff and then they leave. And then they're like, well, what do we do? Well, we, I guess we should go. Oh, we can't go. We're waiting for Gatto, all this stuff. And so basically nothing happens. Right. And people who see it and don't like it are like, wow, it's really like uh, um, full of itself and boring and nothing happens. Right. And it's, you know, uh, spinning pseudo-intellectual circles. But the best negative review of it because it's in two acts, the the reviewer says, um, "The play in which nothing happens twice." <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I really love that. I think that is really funny. That's such a great uh, damnation. Um, but uh, so anyway, but but because they they keep showing up and they've done this they don't know how many times they've done this mm-hmm. uh, they don't remember right. they don't recall they lose track of what day it is mm-hmm. of whether or not they've met the the person and they kind of oh wait a minute yeah he's from yesterday right. was that yesterday right. I think so um, just everyone is a fool um, it's kind of it's kind of like the young ones and whenever when I yeah. read it, I I I cast it with uh, Aid Edmondson and Rick Mayle. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I think is funny uh, about what you've described so far about absurdism, and I have to wonder now is um, is is an element of absurdism the premise that even though um, so you talk about absurdism as being um, the, the hook, the hinge uh, that, that separates absurdism from existentialism is 
maybe this time things will go right, right? Um, so, um, w- well, it could be maybe this time this will go right. It could be just uh, angry, defiant rage. Right. It could be. It it could be anything. Yeah. Where you are trying to instill meaning in your life where you're right, trying to show that you matter yeah because uh, the, the reason i ask against is because, all evidence the reason i ask is because i think about waiting for godot and one of the things that jumps to mind are uh the episode uh, the episodes of space Ghost coast to coast where at a certain point you're in on the joke and um unless you're in on the joke uh the, the, the show the, the Space Ghost and then some of the other stuff like Tim and Eric and, and Eric Andre there's there's a feeling of pointlessness to it and it could be played for how pointless it feels especially when you're talking about those sketches that get dragged on forever um, yeah. but I wonder if a if a, a part of this uh, an absurdist premise is being in on the joke like if you go to waiting for Godot, and you hype someone up for it, mm. you know, like oh I'm, I I want to go see waiting for Godot with you, and they don't know it, you know. Um, are yeah, depending on ex- what sort of expectation you give them. Right? Are you by extension, uh, kind of ex- uh, uh, I don't know, experiencing living vicariously? Uh, the 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 concept of absurdism uh right by being in on the joke you know and and i'm trying to mentally extend that logic to like i said the awkward humor type of stuff you know i wonder if there's a link there i don't know maybe um i think it would it would it it depends i think it just depends um i mean there you could argue there's a link um in the way that there's a link in all creative acts. Yeah. Any any time, you know, when the first, you know, Neanderthal or whatever uh, put a picture of their hand on the cave wall, that's them saying, this is me, I was here. Yeah. And 30,000 years later, we marvel at it. Um, so in a way, they were right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, despite them being dead for 30,000 years. Um, so I think, you know, the people who want to make billions of dollars so that they can ride in space once have a similar goal. Yeah. Um, they might not realize it as such, but that, you know, I'm here, God damn it. Right. Um, I'm big and important. Whether you right. are um, an, a douchebag oaf who takes themselves seriously in that, or if you are more Tim and Eric, Space Ghost, um, young ones, where you're like, no, this is this is completely pointless and stupid. See, right? You know, like the, I uh, I I was specifically thinking of the second episode of Young Ones, Oil with one of my favorite jokes yes. in all human history. Yes. They, you know, where they, when we've talked about it at least two times, 
yeah. on the podcast where, you know, they they do this whole half hour episode where, about finding oil in the basement and all this. They do all this, all this plot and uh, an entire TV show happens. Keep in mind, they had to write a script and film it and have an audience and edit it and put it on the BBC. And then at the end, oh, by the way, it was a complete lie about the oil. About the oil. Yep. <laughs> How it was just the last half hour has been a complete waste of time. Right. <laughs> it, it just completely negates everything that has happened. Yeah. That is, uh, that is them being the universe and pulling the rug out from under themselves. The writers pulling it out from under the characters who are played by a, at least a couple of them. Uh, right. Aid and Rick. Right. Um, it's that. So. So the. Being in on the joke. I would say the characters. On one level, it's like, is this an absurdist piece because the writers are doing it? Or right. is it an absurdist piece because of what the characters are experiencing? Right. Like. In in this in Sisyphus, when he imagines Sisyphus happy going down the hill, Sisyphus is is experiencing the absurd. Okay. In yeah. in the right. young ones, right. when he says, "Oh, by the way, it's a complete lie about the oil," that is the writers of the show and the audience experiencing the absurd. Ah, okay. All right. I think uh, I understand the distinction now. All right. Waiting for Godot. They're not in on the joke. Right. Okay. They are fools. They are oafs. They are dum dums. We, the intelligentsia, who chuckle into our into our uh, handkerchiefs. <laughs> I'm so clever. We are experiencing uh, their absurdism. Okay. Even though right. they are not. Right. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. But yeah, it's that tension between. I matter. No, you don't. Yeah. That's that's where you get the absurd. Right. That's the the baking soda and the vinegar that right. gives you a, an absurd volcano. So, I have been waiting and sitting on uh, this counterpoint for so long because I wanted to let you. Oh, good. Um, but I. Um, the more that you've talked about this, the more it reminds me of some of the conversations that I've, not conversations, but some of the some of the articles that I've read, and then the follow up conversations that have occurred about them on on Twitter particularly, about meme culture, the meaning behind memes, and the rise of absurdism in memes, and I feel like there's a a common thread between absurdist memes and um, uh, the notion of absurdism as, as it's, I guess, defined in, in literature. Um, and I was sitting there trying to think on, on what was, what the common thread was. And it's really weird because I, I'm, I'm about to say something that maybe is too broad of a generalization, but I really feel like, um, the majority of the memes, the internet, the memes that you see on the internet, 
fall mm-hmm. into one of two categories. I feel like you see either existentialist memes, where it's people saying, look at how weird the universe is, woe is us. <laughs> and then you have the absurdist memes, where it's, look at how weird the universe is! <laughs> and then having a giggle and moving on. You know? Yeah. Um, where the And what I was trying to do as I was thinking about this is... is seeing if I could find where the hook is, at least in my head. And I almost feel like the hook is with the existentialism memes that are out there, they purposely play out the terribleness of the world uh, for the purpose of um, marginalizing who we are as a people, how we got here, what we what we are as individuals, what we are as a community. Um, there's these mm. paintings that you see uh, that have basically become internet memes where it's like the guy looking at the world through a periscope that's shaped like uh, the Facebook logo, right? Or um, the, the bodies of soldiers uh, piled under the uh, disco actor or not disco but you know like the instagram star who's uh you know clicking on her phone right these are existentialist memes right these are memes where the the point is to make you feel bad about the state that we are in uh, as a world right and then you have um, okay well I, I mean this is my interpretation you know yeah, 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 I, yeah, yeah. i'm hoping to be wrong right and then you have the, the these absurdist memes and the absurdist memes are like a Enderman from Minecraft holding a fork and above it, it says F-O-K, fuck, you know, or, <laughs> you know, like a, um, a picture of, uh, one of the monsters from Five Nights at Freddy's, which is a, you know, like an animatronic, uh, monster costume, um, yeah. with, with a, a, you know, with, with like a copy pasted, smile on its face from i don't know like dolly parton saying my god i love hot dogs you know it's it's like okay (laughs) you you have you have these memes that circulate for the purpose of going life is weird isn't life weird um the universe uh my goodness where do i fit into the universe the universe is uncaring things are horrible and here is why right and there's a tinge of irony that comes along with those memes yeah, whereas yeah. the absurdist memes the, there, there is absolutely no context and it's it's i love them for the fact that they are so surface level that it, it, it's one where it's almost difficult to explicate the humor on them other than that they are r- ridiculous, absurd, have no meaning, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Is there a hook? You know, is there an uptick hook? Maybe the uptick hook in the absurdist memes versus the existentialist memes is, you know, you, you come away from the absurdist memes going, well, that's weird, and I'm going to think about that to see if I can figure out why it's, why it's weird, and I'm not going to go anywhere mentally trying to figure out why this is weird or to further understand it. Almost analogous to someone trying to find the deeper meaning of waiting for Godot. Um, I don't know. You know that, that that was that's been going through my head ever since you've been talking about this because you you see this this made a conversation come up about memes occasionally, 
And there's, mm. you know, these are different from. They're not. They're not entirely different from the trending memes, the ones that kind of skyrocket to the top of you know every news feed. But it is a it is a genre of memes that's out there, and I love them because. And the biggest sure. reason that I love them is because they are entirely devoid of context, and I can scroll through the absurdist memes pages, and I can turn my brain off in that it's perhaps I won't get this. Maybe I will get this. You know, maybe there's nothing to get, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. in that, I almost feel like that's where the common thread is to, uh, you know, something like uh, something like Godot, you know? Anyway, that's that's my tangent. I I'll would say... Alright, a couple things. Um, I would say searching for meaning and waiting for Godot uh, I would say that there is meaning in it, and the act okay. of the act—it's not just like a bunch of random stuff that happens. Um, he is trying to illustrate something. So, okay. And I think, um, I think part of something that something that's sort of unfortunate with the nomenclature is the difference between lowercase a absurd and capital a absurd okay because right. absurd is a whole word on its own yeah um you know that's absurd is basically you know that's crazy that's silly right. that's ridiculous right um and i think because it is in order for absurdism to exist according to Camus it has to be conscious okay it has to be someone recognizing the tension between um i want to matter versus i don't okay there has to be a recognition of that tension right and if you turn away from it, the absurd evaporates. It's no longer there. It's okay. only when you're looking at that difference and straining against it. So would you um, feel like the the meta, if you wrapped it up in an envelope, the, the, the meta principle of the searching for meaning uh, with the idea of tacking in, into the wind in the direction of having hope that you find meaning... I mean, uh, could you could you apply the concept of absurdism to the Absolutely. concept of finding uh, meaning in a thing? Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. If I mean, if if you are, it it's it's having the dualism in your head. It's okay. it's. Uh, it's quote unquote knowing two things at the same time. Yeah, yeah, okay. So knowing so if, that something is ridiculous, but at the same time hoping for more out of it. Is it that... It's knowing that knowing nothing I do matters, but trying to matter anyway. If you don't know that it's pointless, it's not absurd. If you're like, 
I'm doing good deeds to get into heaven. That's not yeah. absurd. Right. If it's, I want to make these hilarious memes so I'll get 10,000 likes and I'll be famous right. on the internet for a couple yeah. days. That's yeah. not absurd. Well, then I'd argue that... If these... it is... Yeah, go ahead. If it is... Um, if they are acts made despite the fact and to spite the fact that um, that you're basically a bag of worm food right um, then then it's absurd and that's something that only happens in the person's mind whether it's the person making it the person looking at it the person yeah. writing an essay about it I think that um, they fall into any the of those category. I think they fall into that latter category because when when I see these folks talk about the memes that they made, whether it's on the the, the Facebook group um, "useless, unsuccessful, or unpopular memes," or whether <laughs> it's under the the Twitter "absurdist memes" hashtag, uh, uh -huh. the 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 response or the the first comment that they always make is, "I don't know why I made this." LOL, right? <laughs> or uh, I have no idea what this means, but it came to me in a dream. Ha ha! And then they post well, it, right. And there's, that there's, also gets into the 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 trouble with the name absurdism is yeah is it it would be like calling it nonsensism. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, ostensibly, um, yes, it is nonsensical. Uh, yeah. Well, I I just mean the fact that nonsense is also a thing that lives on its own in the world. Okay. Um, random jokes, random right. pictures, right? Um, you know, out of context. Uh, subtitled TV stills on their own. You know, all these yeah. things that are just, here's a thing, bloop, here it is. Right. And you're like, what the hell is this? But the random um, and nonsensical nature of the stuff that you're talking about, though, requires a tinge of irony or a tinge of juxtaposition in order for them to make sense as being random and nonsensical. Some of these absurdist memes, there is no context. They are so entirely devoid of context that the three things that have been put together, it, 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 it's one where you end up doing that very that you you end up doing that 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 searching for meaning, right? It's the context is so gone by the time that the meme has been created. It's you know the 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 creator of the memes may be saying you know I don't know why I put this up, haha, -ha. um, but the images themselves sometimes it's it's like. You know, the, the one that I think of that it, it ended up spawning a whole bunch of memes later on was um, the image of the uh, somebody took this very generic image of like the most abstracted, like 3D, simple, like vaporwave 90s, like low polygon person's head and they put <laughs> it next to a water bottle. Right. And okay. the the. the the caption at the bottom is, you know, it's something like, like, O, O, C, N. It's like they didn't spell the word ocean all the way. They, like, half-assed, <laughs> right? And so it's this 90s head looking at this water bottle, and it says ocean, right? Um, <laughs> there's, there's no, I mean, at, at, at that point, you're, you're getting really close to the hairy edge of stripping off, um, the juxtaposition element that's necessary 
for there to be nonsense, right? Because it gets to a point where it's like, what? Okay, what is this? What what is meant here? You know, I don't know. I mean, that that's maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm going in the wrong direction, but you know, that's that's my thoughts. That's my thoughts. I'll, I'll shut my app right now. No, no, no. It, it, it's you're making you're making sense. You're good. You're yeah. good. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's one of those things like existentialism and uh, um, irony that it's very tempting to label lots of things absurdist. And it's sort of um, become a catch-all term for just... Uh, oh my God, that's that's absurd. It for more like silly. Yeah. Um, you know, like if if, and I'm I'm not saying this is like any of your examples. I'm just. Well, do you believe that totally the new selves are allowed to have their umbrellas stretched, or do you feel like the terms uh, from I guess a a school of language context should remain somewhat inflexible? I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean there is, there is room for evolution of language, but at a certain point it has to branch off into something else, and it's no longer that thing. Okay. Um, All right. So I mean, and it's it's also without being a mind reader, because that's the thing. It's not. It's not so much something that you can look at a picture and say, aha, this is absurd. It right. is, you have to know the story behind it. You, there has to be some narrative going on. Okay. So okay. All right. you could see a play yeah. and, oh, there's a story. I know where they're coming from, where they're going. Aha, I see the absurd in there. Or you could read an essay or have a conversation or, um, you know, maybe a song. Um, and you could see that tension between the two things. Okay. Um, All right. But it's, I'm not saying you can't have an absurd meme, but it is yeah. more difficult to have a non narrative. Um, uh, absurdism. The concept. Um, so you believe that the concept of an absurd meme does not fall, at, at least based on what you're explaining. You do not feel that the concept of the absurd meme doesn't fall within the umbrella of the absurdism uh, term as it applies to, I guess, literature because it's missing sufficient meat to to give you that. Uh, that hope, that that moment of you know, question and then turn around, turn it around on itself. I would I would say um, generally, if if your meme is some random goofiness that's yeah. hilarious, yeah. Th- the act of posting it and sharing it is more is closer to the absurd than. The meme is likely to be. I'm not saying it's not, but 
the meme is. If you know that the rest of the world is going to have no cultural context for the meme that you're about to post, and yet you well, choose to post it anyway, you know it, it, that's yeah. The know, choice I, of the choice of sharing it yeah. is more. I'm going to make my mark now. Yeah, that is more in line than with absurdism. the The action is more absurd than the than the product. Okay, uh, I guess that's where I was going with that because I was in my head mentally glomming together the creation the the meme itself, right? The piece of art, the meme itself, and the creative process of. Uh, you know, somebody sits down and puts three random images together and a word and then chooses to put it online against all odds, you know. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the it's the meta of putting it up despite the fact that no one yeah. will have any cultural context, the artist included, uh, is absurdist versus the actual well, of the image itself. I, now the artist included that changes things because yeah i'd be careful if, dan yeah i'd be really careful because if you say any of this wrong i'm i'm, I'm gonna uh, sick the uh established canon of english literature on you at me yeah i'm gonna sick. you're gonna get in so much trouble the the, oh, man. the high literature canon police uh <laughs> with their pope hats and with their uh stars that yeah you know, there's three right there's there's uh it's uh, uh there's there, it's the the three disciples you know they're going to appear above your bed um, that's right grammar punctuation and spelling and they're going to just stab you repeatedly with uh dangling participles so you better watch you better watch what you say <laughs> yeah the uh, i don't want to anger the the world's 22 year olds yeah exactly <laughs> um but, but yes, I mean, it's it's a narrow definition and yet one that can be applied universally to just about any act. Um, but yeah, it's such a like it, it's it's all it's all about the uh, it's like when you get into real nitty gritty stuff about like altruism and does altruism exist. Yeah. You know, surely you're getting something out of it, even if it's just of, you know, oh, that felt good. Yeah. That yeah. that sort of nitty gritty into ethics. Yeah. Of. It's all about your um, motivation. Yeah. The reasons for doing things, and so it gets really like mathematical and boring. Um, but generally, that's, that's why I don't talk it, with Al anymore. Because too many altruisms, <laughs> right? I'm a big fan of Fred truisms. Now that guy, like, no bullshit. Like, <laughs> I like Al fakeism. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Every one of them, an absolute like standard, a tentpole of complete garbage. You know? Yes. Al fakeism. Yes, solid yes. gold all the way, all yeah. the way down. Right. That's why they're so unstable and they keep Absolutely. falling over. Right. Because uh, gold is pliable. Um, yes. I, I got uh, your joke. I got your joke. I, I, oh yeah, I'm I know, with you on the context. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's sort of uh, 
pseudo intellectual navel gazing. Yeah. Um, and you can oh, well, that in and itself is uh, absurdist uh, if you think about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, actually, actually uh, if you think about it, like uh, uh, that in itself, it's, and then you end up just becoming the uh, the snake eating its tail. Yeah, yeah, uh, because then, then it becomes a never-ending meta loop of increasing volumes of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, and that's Lord. why I haven't gotten off this couch in six months. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, I, I use to, a turlet. I really have to thank you for this conversation, Dan. You've, you've caused me to um, flex muscles in my brain that I have not flexed in a very long time when it comes to literary to. concepts. That was fun. Um uh, and yet, at the same time, I am soberly reminded of why I chose not to go in this direction as a career. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Uh, I should add, um, as much as philosophically, I of, of the philosophies that I've learned about, this yeah. is the one I find myself falling under the most. Um, as long as you're doing it in like a humanist way a do good way and not a sociopath way mm-hmm. um however the other version of a, of the word absurd which is more just like silly yeah that one's way better yeah yeah <laughs> I, would, I would like i okay. love samuel beckett but i like space ghost coast to coast a lot more yeah, because I'm like sitting there listening to your definition of absurdism, and I know that you're and your and my tastes are very close to each other. And I'm like, okay, all right. Well, no, this okay. doesn't sound very funny. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Am, so am I? Am I nonsensical? Is that is that where my my humor core is? You know. Yeah, know. it's just you know they're they're synonyms, and they plucked one of them out and made a philosophy about it. So yeah, the the ridiculous and the silly and the inane and the goofy are all great. Yeah. And and when when you write a treatise a treatise on one of them, that's when uh, you either walk away. Yeah. Or uh, say I'm gonna be smart for an hour. I'm yeah. gonna read about this and then tell everyone on the internet about it to show off how smart I am. Hopefully, uh, making some sort of impact. So that yeah. people know me and like me and respect me. Immediately after writing, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> you sit up from you know you, you finish writing the treatise and and you sit up from the four hundred page you know dissertation that you've just finished handwriting and you look at yourself in the mirror and you look like Dostoevsky, you know, and yeah, you, have, yeah. you have gray hair and and a mustache and kind of looking like an Einstein knockoff, and all of a sudden. Uh, the uh, uh, libertarian core of the world flocks to you in order to uh, cite your work poorly and incorrectly on the internet. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to misinterpret this for decades. But but that is also sort of a... Uh, I mean, like I said, you can apply the term absurdism to everything. Um, but one other little meta version of it is... Yeah, the very fact that I'm going to put this out there and be known forever. Yeah. And then it's immediately taken out of context. And yeah. and people quote you thinking that they're 
doing it right and they're accidentally disproving you or they're accidentally disproving themselves uh yeah it's yeah. no yeah, that's the, one the thing whole, I, I oh really content yeah i don't really like content uh, you're so silly yeah i don't i don't really like logging on to that um i don't have the vr headset or anything like that uh, <laughs> the the meta version yeah i don't i can't oh, get into boo. That. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel bad about that. I would, you but shouldn't. you've gotten me with so many of those. So you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the fact that I got a Dan Grub. Oh, uh, boo! <laughs> yeah, I like to just. I'm putting. Just, I'm, no, I'm putting another notch in my lipstick case for that one, man. Hell yeah! <laughs> it's just. Uh, it's it's like when you're walking your dog, just yeah. leaving little turds on the street. Right. And no one notices that you're pooping because they assume the dog will, and you're just leaving <laughs> little turds, and the person behind you steps in it, and they had yeah. no idea it was coming. And they go, "Oh, wait a minute." Um, so yeah, there's the, uh, the that's the reader. No, that's yeah. the Reader's Digest version of absurdism for oh, you. That's the Reader's Digest. Uh, of, yeah, you know the, the previous doing? hour, not yeah. not the last minute. You know where you're finding meaning in that one, right? Uh, it's in the page seven sixty one of it's the, the dictionary. No, in it, the, yes, yeah. You open it up. Oh, hey, look at that. Yeah, right there. It's it's you open up the turd and it's right. It's 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 just like a fortune cookie. The definition yes. is just right there. And Absolutely. each turd, each turd has a different definition. I need to stop on this. Now. Well, yeah, you know, it, it's the the chiseled abs of each turd and the yeah definition. The, the, yeah. Oh yeah, I got what you were saying. <laughs> <sighs> it's been a long week, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only Thursday. I know. Oh my god. Uh, so yeah, that uh, yeah. So read some uh, read some Albert Camus read some Samuel Beckett and it's one of those things plays are meant to be seen so if you can I wish that it was on YouTube uh, I know that Aid Edmondson and Rick Mayo did a version of Waiting for Gatto oh god I bet they were I so fun I would to have seen it oh hell yeah because I imagine them from bottom right, um, right. their characters uh uh Richie, Richie Rich, and uh, Eddie Hitler from Bottom. <laughs> I forgot about those characters. <laughs> That's his name, Eddie Hitler. I have to finish And Richard Rich. Bottom. Yeah. Oh my God, Bottom is so good. The live stage shows are all on YouTube, and they're incredibly funny. Neat. Especially when Rick forgets his lines. Oh God. Oh, that I know is going to be charming. All right. Oh yeah, and Aid gives him complete shit about it it's so <laughs> funny um it's so funny I'm so to do some uh, but yeah i imagine i imagine rich and Ed, uh richie and eddie as uh vladimir and etrigan um erdogan and uh from gato and it it just as soon as i slotted them as soon as i put them into those slots bing Oh, it's much funnier. Right, right. And I, I find myself doing that with novels and, uh, yeah, any kind of, I mean, it makes Shakespeare funnier if yeah. you 
watch it performed, you're like, right. oh, that's what this is. Yeah. Because it's like there's no sarcasm font. There's no ironic font. There's no uh, I'm rolling my eyes font. Yeah. No, it's Shakespeare contextually text. when shown, when done as an actual play. And you can get a chance to, to like actually see the characters, especially during yeah. the giggle stuff. You know, like, yeah. Rosie it's like oh, kills that's scene. why he's yeah, good. It's like, oh, okay, now I understand the goof behind this. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of... Um, I watched The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, yeah? I think it's on Apple. Okay. Uh, I think that's where it is. It's um, one of the Coen brothers directed it, and it oh, is uh, Denzel Washington is Macbeth, and, um, oh, God, I just blanked on her name. Um, she, was the, she was the cop in Fargo. Uh, She's uh, Frances McDormand. Yeah, Frances McDormand. Yeah. Yeah, she is Lady Macbeth. Nice. And um, the guy from News Radio and Dodgeball and uh, anybody Red Stapler? That guy. Okay. Has right. a small role as the porter. Oh my goodness! So he's d- telling funny jokes, and it's just—it's such a terrific cast, and it's done so well. And the the lady who plays the witches. Stellar, stellar, okay. stellar, stellar. She's a. Am- I had never seen her, and I looked her up. And I'm like, what? Okay, she's like a Shakespearean actor. Holy cow, is she amazing! That's. Funny. I just. I love what what they did with it. The performances are. Everyone is so compelling. It's the best version of Macbeth I've ever seen. Right. It's so good. Everyone, go watch that. Speaking of, oh, plays are better when you see them, not read them. That's one to see is the tragedy of Macbeth from I think it's from last year. I'm curious. I'm gonna have to go dig oh, that up. Oh, it's so good. Nice. nice. Yeah, if you have Apple Plus, Apple TV, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, Apple it's Dapple. On that. Yeah. Apple Dapple. Series. Yes. Apple Dapple. Yep. Yes. Apples to Dapples. Yep. Arts to. Good arts. morning and welcome to Apples to Dapples. Oh, we got a cold front coming in. Let's ask our overweight weatherman and see what he has to say about it. Apples to dapples, rust to dust. Pleasant be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on bologna as it is in sandwiches. Lift up your cheese, and we shall lift up the cheese. Get off my cheese. (laughs) I'm trying to make a sandwich here. No, get out of there. Unless no sandwiches were made. How um, dare you? All right. Well, I'll, I uh, I dig it. Um, <laughs> How dare you remind me? Um, you know what I told Ruby about yesterday? No. Uh, our friend from high school, Daniel. How okay. he would, yeah, 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 yeah. He would uh, very pointedly. He would pretend to be mad at you, and very pointedly walk right up to your face and stick his finger up and say, where do you get off my face? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And he would, he would like, <laughs> he, he would, he would do like a, so much a very smooth walk from like 20 feet away. Where do you get off him? <laughs> How do you? And just the whole Uncomfortable. Face, the whole face just built and ready. <laughs> just be like, 
you gonna yeah yeah <laughs> God, <it was laughs> when, so when, yeah when i get her to laugh yeah. she's like okay that's pretty good yeah i was playing her some uh some parliament in the car and i was talking about their stage show and the ufo and the mothership right. and everything right and and i was doing total wicked daddy on her nice and she goes and she goes Okay, yeah, that does sound pretty cool. Yeah, that would be pretty right. neat. <laughs> it's like, yes, got her. All right! Yeah. We got one. <laughs> but yeah, where do you get off? That That just popped in my head because of that. Well, since you're, anyway. since you're sharing kid victories, I will note that uh, I got the youngest um, on her own playlist as well. And uh, she won't let me stop playing Pat Benatar now, so... I almost feel like, yeah, like, I'm okay with that victory, because I'm discovering these Pat Benatar songs that I never knew before, and so I'm like, 80s power pop. Yeah, this is all good, you know. What you do, Love is a Battlefield, right? Well, we started with Love is a Battlefield, and then we did Hit Me With Your Best Shot, and then we did Heartbreaker, and then we did We Are Young, and We Belong. She did do Heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah. I always forget that's her. Yeah, Heartbreaker rules. I love that song. Yeah, and then we did We Are Young, and then we did We Uh Belong, and and it's just been going on, and and she's just like, she's like, she's all about it. Yeah, and so I'm not going to tell her no, you know. Yeah, maybe uh, I bet it. I bet it'd be easy to find at a record shop. Get her a copy of She Bop, uh, or or what's called She's So Unusual. Cindy Lauper. Yeah, man, that would be. I bet she'd love that. Then I could show her the record player, which I've been like kind of excited (laughs) about. You know, check this out in in a bygone era. You know, right? Well, except they're back now, and they're all twenty-five dollars. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we'll uh, yeah Ruby wants a record it. player real bad. The little uh, suitcase one, like I got. She wants uh, one of those. Right, right. I'm like, hell yeah, get you some records. Yeah. For $2. Used to be a dollar. Yeah, we're going over to frickin' um, uh, Goodwill and Salvation Army, and we're going to dig through the record bins over there because we are absolutely yeah. not going over to, like, you know, what is it, uh, uh, Ninth Planet? records or whatever the one that's down in richmond or like uh oh oh plan nine plan nine yeah spending i mean they got a great yeah i mean they got a great uh selection they do but but records are expensive now that is exactly right they also they don't sell the crap ones really Uh, well that's i mean that's it but yeah i mean you you know yeah you go to the thrift store yeah but like they're they're a dollar yeah but they're also crappy yeah, you, you, you got to dig through, like, the... I hope you like some, like, 1962 Christian organ music. Yeah, you got to dig through, like, you know, uh, Jumbo and the Beefcake, and then, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the Jerky Boys B-sides, you know, and then, like... Uh, oh, I wish it was something five, as interesting as that. And then, like, a 32-record set, 5,000 minutes of Rachmaninoff, you know, before you Oh, my God, shit, so you know. much... Yeah. And yeah, it's always Rachmaninoff. I, yeah, it's either it's Rachmaninoff never or, No, no, it's either Rachmaninoff or Chopin. It's it's those are the two that you find. In yeah. The, God. A six album set. Yeah. 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 And then um, somewhere buried between all of that garbage, you 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 pull out like, <gasps> you know, it's it's the golden goose, it's the one I've been looking for. You know. Yeah, yeah. I've had one lucky. Uh, 
uh, session, one lucky like record buying session. Yeah. Maybe six months ago, we went out. We just took a day and went to a few different thrift shops. Right. Uh, that we hadn't been to on a different part of town, and uh, right. one of them had a uh, a box. Right. It was sort of like. Uh, like a wooden rectangular box full of 45s. Oh, nice. And I bought about half of them because it was like, I mean, most of like best of the 50s and 60s, like most of it's crap. Right. With like two cool songs. This was like the greatest best of compilation you've ever seen where it's like, Ooh, oh, yeah, this awesome. one. Oh, yeah, this one. Oh, yeah, this one. Right. They were, oh, it was like someone's very good collection of singles. Uh, they, I guess they died and they got donated. And, uh, oh, man, I had such a good day. So, <laughs> Just listening to these great songs. So dig this. You'll, you'll appreciate this. And I think I may have already told you this story, in which case you can tell me to shut my amber. Um, or you can just tell me to shut my app right now. Yeah, I mean, Love really, it. all is applicable here. Um, I uh, I really liked um, Russian Doll with Natasha Leone, and uh, I need to watch that because yeah. I love her. She's fantastic. There's there's this one song by Harry Nielsen which has got to get up, and it's jarring, and they use it. Every oh time yeah, I her. think you've told me that that's oh, like okay. her wake up. Alarm yeah. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You told me on the show. Yeah, and I, I finally, <laughs> I dug it up now. The record store where I found it was called, it's, it is it is still called Independent Records. It's up in Colorado Springs. And I went in there and, dude, it was like going back into a Target. Or not a Target, I'm sorry. It was like going back into a Tower Records. It was, oh. <laughs> it was, it was like record mecca. And awesome. I'm like casually browsing. And there it is, Nielsen's Schmielsen, the album that's got got to get up on it. And I was like, "Yeah, man, this is coming home with me." I think I paid two ninety five for that album. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> yeah, man. That's a that's a good price for a used record. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. So yeah, go buy I some love... records. Yeah, go buy some old records. Yeah. Hope you find something cool like Two Tons of Fun. Yeah. Which was the Weather Girls before they were the Weather Girls. That's right. And if you if you go looking for records and you find spaghetti in the record sleeve, that's absurdism. And the literary canon will nope. back me up on that, Dan. God um, damn it! Nope. <laughs> yes, they will! X. <laughs> I'm gonna make it right. I'm gonna write to the literary canon and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna petition. You'll get fired out of the literary canon. You if you mail $25 and uh, uh, a statement on a 3x5 index card as to why um, literary canon should expand their um, definition of a uh, premise. Um, they'll totally do that for you. They've been doing that since 1932. No, but the act of you <laughs> mailing it trying to change things, that's absurdism. That's absurdist. <laughs> that's good. So good. good job. He turned it around! He turned it around. That was good. Good job, buddy. That was good. That was good. Hey, buddy. Hey, Had a friend dude. in college did that. Hey, buddy. He was funny. Anyway, so that is, uh, like, I don't know, half of that last hour and a half was about absurdism. The other was just some dumb crap we were saying. 
my name's Dan. Over there's Aaron. This has been the Dan and Aaron Like Arama. Uh, join us in two weeks, or you know, right now, or never again. Who cares? Uh, here's, here's our our uh, our closing theme song. Care of Aaron. Take it away, boys. sounded like you're getting ready for a Kamehameha. <laughs> I ran out of uh, Kame at the end there. So.